Pace Line is supported by LEL Cycling. The coast is calling. LEL's shore collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LEL products are crafted in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now, on to the show. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, Celine Yeager, a.k.a. the Fit Chick of Bicycling Magazine. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. So, uh, looks like you had a chilly and wet ride last weekend? Yeah, yeah, that, I'm gonna get into that. That's, uh, that's, that's going to be, that'll, that'll be my, the subject of, of maybe my poll. But, oh, but before, okay. before, before we talk about that, a, a very cool thing actually happened that I wanted to, uh, make sure that I mentioned. And that's, so it was Lulaco Waco Hundo, as everybody knows that it listened last week. And that's a, it's a hundred mile ride, 10,000 feet of climbing, very hard day. Um, start the ride. At one point, a couple hours in, you know, I, I turn on to the corner of, of this dirt climb, make it to the top of one very hard dirt climb to the next dirt climb. And I notice right over the crest, there's a guy uh, parked off to the side with a bottle of bullet whiskey. And <laughs> he's like, hey, you want some whiskey? <laughs> and I as you do, <laughs> I abruptly came to a stop. And uh, he, there was another guy standing there with him. And so, you know, I'm like, all right, I had to wait for my friends anyway. They were, they were a little bit behind me. So I had a sip of whiskey, chit-chatting. Friends come up. They have a sip of whiskey or two. And uh, as I'm, you know, clicking in and getting ready to roll on, the guy says, are you Celine? And um, I was like, why? Yes, I am Celine. And it turns out he was listening to the show last week. Uh, when we were talking about whiskey and octopus and like all the crazy things that you know uh-huh. people pull out on the rides that I that I do around here, and he was coming from Ithaca. I couldn't tell. I think he was going to actually do the ride, but he couldn't make it in time. So he's like, he had this light bulb moment where he's like, I know, I'll just like buy some whiskey and I'll set up like a little impromptu stop on the ride, and you know, offer people while they ride by. So. Thank you, Bill. Uh, I mean, it was super cool. Like he came wait, down and yes, <laughs> let's wait. I, I need I need bullet points here. Someone Besides was listening to the pace line. Okay, go ahead. Well, yeah, yeah. Bullet points of bullet whiskey. Someone yes. was listening to the pace line last week. Yes, Doug. What you were saying about riding in Eastern Pennsylvania? Yes, particularly the stuff from that people a pack. Different state. <laughs> Got yes. in a car, drove from a different state. Yes. Bought whiskey. Yes. Stood on the side of a dirt road, yes. pouring out shots of whiskey. We drank straight from the bottle. He it, it, was, it was less civilized okay. than that. But yes. I didn't miss anything. Um, I not to my knowledge. I that is I didn't, awesome. I, yes, that is I didn't awesome. know if he would I didn't know if he was going to be coming down. It wasn't really clear if he had planned 
to be there anyway. He didn't have a bicycle, you know, so I don't I don't think so. Um Bill, you can let me know. Otherwise, you know, he people he was he is now legendary because uh he he ran out of whiskey in 30 minutes. So he's like, I sh- <laughs> he's like, I should have bought three bottles. Um <laughs> Yeah, it, and it wasn't it wasn't noon. It was it's definitely it was it was not noon yet. Uh, but boy, oh boy, <laughs> that's awesome! It was really amazing. It was cool, and the fact that like there was this huge delay where I almost rode off and didn't realize, and he it it, it took him it seemed a bit too to be like, wait, that's. That's the whole reason I'm here. (laughs) She's the one that inspired me to bring the whiskey. Um, I mean, what a what a wonderful thing for him to actually bump into the person who who, you know, got him inspired to do this. Yeah. What a a lovely payoff. It was cool. It was it was it was so funny. Um, And oh, it was so needed. It was. Oh boy. So I will roll straight into my pool. Um, it was again, Lulaco Waiko Hundo weekend. And you know, this, this thing, it's, it is a true adventure ride, you know, and, and on a, and on a nice day, it's hard, you know, on a, on a nice day, it's, it's a difficult thing to finish. It's got, um, pretty wild terrain. You know, you go into, a section of rocky single track, the roads and places are kind of cratered out. Sometimes they're soft and rutted. There's, there's train tracks, not live, but still, if you've ridden along train tracks, you know that it's, it, it's not easy. Um, and endless. Were we we crossing train tracks or riding parallel to riding parallel, which honestly, Oh, good grief. Yeah. Um, it's not for very long, but it's not, it's not easy. Um, and it's super, like the hills are just, I, I just very, very steep. You know, it's just like, you're always going very steep up and then up and up. And you, it seems like you climb a whole lot more than you descend. But you get some, you get some pretty sweet descents anyway. Um, leading into it, you know, I've been sort of watching the weather. Uh, around here, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to look at the weather until very close in because the weather changes <laughs> 75. You know, it just changes all the time. So mm-hmm. leading into it, it had been everything from snow to 70 degrees. So I'm like, okay, that's April, right? It's like, we'll just, <laughs> we'll just see. Um, and the Saturday before had been Rasputitsa, which is, I've, uh-huh. which I've done. And the weather is, and that's in Vermont. And that's an incredible wild card of weather. And it had been snowing, sleeting and blowing cold rain sideways on them. So I was like, okay, as long as we don't end up with that. You know, maybe, maybe we'll be okay. Um, but I'll tell you what it, it, uh, boy, we ended up with a, we ended up with a big one. It was, you know, Rasputitz is only 40 miles. So even if you get hypothermic, you can probably soldier it out. Uh, okay. uh, Sunday we pulled in and it was 38 degrees and it started to rain right around the start. Um, Oh, thir- okay. yeah. 38 in rain is difficult. It, it's, I, it's I've very, picked up on that this year. Yeah. 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 It's difficult. And it's, and it was one of those things like, I'm like, this is going to be an all day affair. And 
you know, I'm standing in the parking lot going, okay, if it doesn't get, it was one of those things, like, if it doesn't get worse, you know, it'll be okay kind of thing. Like, because the, the skies <laughs> were, the skies weren't super dark. It was just sort of, like, pissing down rain, for lack of a more, you know, it's that kind of a rain. Right. So I was like, okay. Right. Um, I, I put on, I brought all my clothes. I had a duffel bag of, like, everything I owned and three of everything. Because that's what you do, right? You drive and you're just like, I have no idea. We'll see when we get there. So I, you know, I brought three pairs of gloves and two rain jackets and various permutations of knee warmers and leg warmers and shells. And um, I ended up wearing bib shorts, shell knickers over that, um, long wool socks, my mountain bike shoes, Bella toes, shoe covers, a thermal jersey, you know, obviously a base layer, thermal arm warmers, my Rafa with a micro fleece lining uh, uh -huh. vest. And then I was deciding between I have like a heavier gore jacket and my shake dry. And I went with the shake dry and I ended up wearing my showers pass waterproof gloves, but which I have not ever worn before. So I, then I pocketed my other gloves, which are a little warmer, but not waterproof. Um, and then we just went, <laughs> So you know, I was feeling, wow. I was feeling pretty confident for the first 25, 40 miles, uh, you know, it stayed about the same. It, it didn't warm up really by any stretch, but it didn't get more miserable, you know? So we were, we were kind of how rolling early, along. When how early it in the day did you start? It's it, like 845. So oh, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, pre it's pretty early. Cause it's, I mean, on a nice day, there are people chasing daylight because it's, it's very, very hard. Um, uh -huh. So, you know, it, it's, it starts, not obscenely early, but, but relatively early. Um, sure. You know, we rolled along for about 35, 40 miles going pretty well. And then the cloud cover got dark and all of a sudden it was like looking at the world through tinted glass, you know, <laughs> like mm, never, never a good feeling. And it started to rain, rain. Um, and it still kind of seemed okay, you know, cause we were climbing and climbing and climbing. But then around that point, which is around mile 45, there's a huge descent, wide open descent that drops you down into one of the little towns that you pass through. And uh -huh. it was. It was impossible to not get hyperthermic. It, like there was just no there was just no way. Right. I mean, you know, and you know it when it's happening, like as we're as I'm going down, I'm trying to ride the brakes. I'm trying to like do everything I can to not get, I, I can't decide if it's better just to go really fast and get down the hill or drag it out. So I was kind of doing a little bit of both, you know, I'm just like, Oof. okay, this is terrible. I'll go faster. Oh, this is really terrible. I better slow down. This is horrible. I'll go fast. I did that pretty much all the way down the hill. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. So the three of us got down and everybody had that hollow, you know, that hollow look and there were. Along the way, no, dude, we that. were we were seeing we were seeing people pack it in, you know, already like people were just like it was like a ghost town. Um, so we got to the little, you know, we got into town. I waited for uh, Dave and Dave, the guys I was riding with to come up. And I said, and I am not a stopper. I am not someone who stops on rides that might surprise you <laughs> or not. Um, <laughs> but I said to my little crew, we are stopping for lunch. We're getting soup and we're getting coffee and we're getting warm. like." This is there was no way we could go on like we were shuddering, mm -hmm. you know, and we had 50 miles to go, you know, more than it's like there's this is not oh this is not happening. 
So we we found this cute little diner. Um, and shockingly, they did not tell us to get the hell out. While when we stepped in and started just like forming giant muddy puddles on the floor, <laughs> you know, all yes. over the restaurant. Right. We right. sat in the window and we ordered uh, grilled cheeses and soup and hot coffee. And uh, we mulled over going across the street to see the Avengers Endgame for three hours to, <laughs> to, to, let, to let the rain pass. But it's just like, well... We weren't in any hurry. We were just like, let's just get warm. So we got like the you could feel sort of the life coming back into you. It didn't stop raining, but it brightened up, you know, so. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Well, you take what you can get. So, you know, we paid. Sure. We, we tipped extraordinarily generously. Um, I ended up actually putting both pairs of my gloves on. Because I had switched sort of midway through that my those I didn't find those shower pass gloves to be warm enough. Like my hands uh-huh. were just cold. So I took them off, but then I had so- soaking wet gloves and that wasn't awesome either. So then I just put my waterproof gloves on and put my, I drink, I ringed my other gloves out in the bathroom of the diner and put my damp gloves over top of those. And, um, you know, we got out in the first couple of miles. I was a little worried about Dave. He's like, I'm shaking. I can't stop. I'm like, well, we're going to get to a hill first before you know it. Let's just see what happens. And we started climbing. And then it got brighter. It never got super warm. It probably only got to the maybe mid 40s, but it stopped Ugh. raining and it brightened up. And, okay. uh, you know, we ended up we 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 finished and we had a great day, like all's well that ends well. Like we ended like we were not cold or uncomfortable or miserable the rest of the day. You know, it, it that's it's really day, helpful. Yeah, it's really um, it took over seven hours to get it all done, you know, and that's not including our little stopping time because it's just, there it was, it was just so difficult. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we were three of only 28 riders to put in a hundred miles that day. Ooh. Wow. Uh, of the more than 500 who had registered, uh, 260 showed up. And, you know, that's not criticism to anyone who decided to stay home, like by any sure. stretch. Um, or, you know, who decided they could not soldier like Pat was apparently shuttling people all day long and all the support people were shuttling people all day long. They have like, they had heaters at the rest aid stations. They tented Mm -hmm. them in, they did everything they could to help people like survive. Um, You know, the whole thing got me thinking though. Like I know some people who will like pull the plug based on a forecast, which I've never really done because like I said before, the forecast is so often wrong. And I, yeah. I remember before Iron Cross a couple of years ago, like we were getting emails from the promoter, like, you know, bring Mylar blankets, be safe, because it was supposed to be a day like that where it was it could be treacherously cold. Um, mm. And that day ended up being beautiful. Not no rain, actually kind of warm, lovely. You know, so I, I, I don't necessarily ever look at the forecast and go, eh, I'm not doing it. I have bailed the morning of once. And that was like a fat bike race that I had not fully committed to in my heart anyway. Um, and it was pouring rain when I woke up and I'm like, nope, that's not my day today. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing a long <laughs> pouring rain, cold fat bike event. Um, but if I'd signed up and committed, I pretty much always line up and somehow some way hell, high water, whiskey, diners, whatever, make it to, to the finish, you know, and I, you know, it may not always be the smartest. I'm not judging anyone who makes any other decisions, but it did, you know, it got me thinking like, you know, when when do you make those decisions to go, 
this is just not happening. You know, I know you've had <laughs> right, your right. Yeah, I know you've had your opportunities to pull the plug and stay home. Um, and it, it seems like you haven't this this year. Um, oh, this year? Yeah, I've done eight events and it rained on five. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, um, I mean, in the last 10 years, I can think of one event where I paid the entry fee and didn't show up and it wasn't because of weather. Oh. I entered the uh, Downeyville cross country last year. But I did so with the provision that I need to get out there and ride some of those trails before I go out there to do a race. And I never could make a weekend line up so that I could go out there and do some riding. So when it came time for the race and I was facing the possibility or the prospect of racing Downeyville, racing Downeyville blind, I I was like, you know, I think my my future endeavors would be well served by me staying home. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that that that's. That makes sense. <laughs> I think it's yeah. a, like wise thinking. Well, I mean, but the fact that I always show up for stuff, no matter what the weather is, suggests that maybe I'm not I'm not all that wise or or I don't think this through all that well. So you don't make decisions based on like if it no matter what the weather is, you're going to show up. I mean, here's the thing. I live in Northern California. It's only going to get so bad. Apparently so bad now includes 32 in rain, but. That's pretty bad. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe I should. (laughs) I bet we've got listeners just shaking their heads at us right now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, again, we come back to maybe my decision making is possibly not all that stellar. Yeah, yeah, there have been some bad decisions, but they make good stories, right? Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, and that's that is our business. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I, I would be lying if I if I didn't say that I've written things. I'm sure you've done this, too, in your head while you're going through that. I'm like, well, OK, you know, <laughs> I'll just start writing, writing my story now. Hope that it ends yeah. OK. <laughs> well, so or that it has an to, ending. Yeah. When I went to Japan two years ago. Uh, Gloria Liu was my editor for that piece. Mm-hmm. And prior to going, you know, she said something about, well, we want to know why you want to go there. And I said, oh, you know, all I need is to get separated from the group. I'm lost. I'm bonking. The sun is going down and I have a choice of eating fish heads or continuing to bonk. Once I'm in that position, I have my story. Cause I don't know which of those two things I'd choose. Uh, and she's like, no, no, this seems like, uh, you know, more to it than that. And she was obviously right. Right. But right. At the outset, I was just thinking all I need is that one really messed up circumstance. Yep. Uh, and you know, and then pretty much from there, the story writes itself, you know, getting drunk with a bunch of, uh, Moldovan locals, you know, uh, in the middle of a bike tour that, you know, that's a story that writes itself. No doubt. And I think, for you know, even if people aren't writers per se or whatever, I mean, everyone has their story, right? And they go back with their story to tell, you know, and that's half the reason we do a lot of this stuff is to just add to this, not to get deep, but to add to the stories of our lives. We do have a, yeah, it's kind of a a twisted take on Maslow's peak experiences. You know, it's one of those things that is sort of defining within your life. It's maybe not a thing you want to rush back and do again, but you look at it and you go, 
hey, I was there. I did it. I, I'm the man or I'm the person or yep. whatever. I, I need to ask a couple questions, though, about sure. your day. Yeah. So sure. you say steep. And I understand that Pennsylvania, you lay claim to some of the steepest roads in all of the U.S. It's basically we, California and Pennsylvania when it comes to steep roads. There's a do. spot in Tennessee that's up there. But you've got a few. So when you're saying steep, are we talking north of 10%, north of 15%? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Really? Um, yes. <laughs> uh, yes. I, how many times can I say yes? Our, <laughs> that's, that's the thing that, that people don't. It's, it's funny because, I mean, we always sort of enjoyed that when people would come from other places to Pennsylvania and be like, oh, you don't have mountains, you have hills. It's like, yes, we have hills. Let's go for a ride. Um, <laughs> I'll give you hill. Yeah, well, that's it, because they're just I, I don't know why they built them this way, but they are. There, there's there's many that go into 15 to, to 20 over 20 percent, uh, you know, sometimes longer than you'd, you'd like them to. I mean, we did one called Ledge Hill that was like, it's just hard to imagine how steep this thing is. You're just where you're just literally, you know, that that the thing where you're way over your bars to the pump. Chewing on your bars, as they used to say, it's there's a lot of bar mm -hmm. chewing steep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. OK. Now, um, with with your little uh, pleasant little vacation in the middle. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. What how long was your day start to finish? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Twelve hours, <laughs> I think. Well, no, no, it wasn't that long. So we it was it was sort of the preparation is that we, we rolled in to the fire hall where it started at about 7 PM. So that would be, which is 11 way late. I'm usually, uh, yeah, usually done with that thing. Six hours of uh -huh. everything. <laughs> so almost twice as long as it would normally take. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. God bless so, the volunteers that day. Ooh, uh, that's yeah, that's one heck of a day. Yeah. And that's one of the other things is when you have a beautiful day, you know, everybody go, goes home after seven or eight hours, uh, yeah. you know, staff volunteers, you know, they, they don't have to be out there all day, but when you have a rotten day like that, you know, they're packing up gear in the dark. Uh, it's a oh, rough it was, day for those who, who sign on for that. It's totally. And this ride has, you know, it has a couple really fun stops. It has a taco stop uh, in the mm. middle where they where they serve up tacos and it has a like a beer stop. They have beer and hot chocolate and all kind of, you know, just random assortment of things and little cut out figures that you can put your head in, take pictures of kind of thing. You know, it's always a theme. And those they didn't see that many people like we rolled in and it was just like, yay! you know, they only saw like 20 people by the time you got to some of those stops because people Ooh. were just bailing. So super. It's just so I, I cannot say enough about people who do that. It's just so generous and it's so welcome and it makes such a difference. Wow. Remarkable. Uh, yeah. I mean, after the winter that I've had and the spring that I've had. Um, that does sound like something I'd like to do, but I'm okay with having missed it this year. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the irony. Like it's been so beautiful, and it you know like and it warmed right back up the day that the next day it was like sixty some <laughs> degrees. It's just like this weird little front that moved through just so you know just on that day, and that's that's spring. You can't. You know, we haven't yeah. had it over the seven years, but we haven't had a day like that. And uh, we could we could now not have another one for another six or seven years would be fine. Yeah, one can hope. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, what I'll pull off. What did you do this weekend? <laughs> well, uh, wait, your your event was Saturday or Sunday? It was Sunday. Sunday. OK, well, the day before I was having a day. M- in some ways, very much like yours in one significant way, not at all. It was, you know, 70 degrees and sunny and beautiful. Does not sound like my day at all. No, no. Okay. But that, um, that's where the difference partly ends. I got humbled last weekend. Okay. Let's just get that stuff on record. I got humbled. I wanted to shave time off of my previous effort at the Super Skaggs Grasshopper. This is the longest of the events in the Grasshopper series. Of the 96 miles, fewer than 20 are on dirt, I think, or right at 20. It's certainly less than 25. So what do you Uh, ride? Same bike? uh, you, you ride, no, you ride a gravel bike for sure. Because when you are off road, you're really off road. Okay. Like even in the, uh, in the post about it on the grasshopper, you know, the page about it on the grasshopper website, uh, Miguel even says you will not be allowed to do the last section of dirt if you're on a road bike. So there are actually two different versions of this event. There's an all road version and then there's the dirt version. Gotcha, um, gotcha. The all road version goes over roads, though, that you don't want to be on on 23s. You really don't. I, I'm okay. aware that yeah, people no, I, did that. Yeah. You know, um, it's just a bad idea. So for the first 70 ish miles, I think I rode reasonably well. That Mm -hmm. got me over the first three climbs, including King Ridge. So I rolled into our second rest stop at three o'clock. This is just before the big climb of Skaggs Springs. Six hours in, I felt good. There was one more big climb, Skaggs. Uh, before the single track. And how how and, big are these big climbs? I'm just, I don't have any reference. Uh, so, well, the whole day is 10,500 feet of climbing. Okay. 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 So on the order of what you did, and we've got a lot of steep stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, 20%, 25%. Are they uh, longer climbs though? A lot of them are, aren't that long. They're just constant. Uh, this is, well, this, t- you don't get much in the way of flat with this event. Uh, so you're usually going up or down, but there are a couple of really bigger climbs. Uh, Sweetwater Springs is a couple miles long. Uh, old Casadero is a couple miles long. Then King Ridge is, I I forget the main climb on that. And it's a long climb overall, like 11 miles, but the main climb of it is four miles. And that's got like a 20, 20% pitch in it. And then I forget how long the climb of Skaggs is, but it it's the most reasonable of the bunch. It's the longest. I think it takes you to the highest elevation, but it's the only one that's like 8%, which in Sonoma County is like a false flat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. Uh, yeah. Um, 
so the thing was, I got into that, mm-hmm. uh, that last rest stop, uh, and, you know, hit the climb and, you know, there, there were three guys just ahead of me and they weren't, they weren't really opening up a gap. They, they caught me and passed me and then, you know, got just a little ahead of me, didn't really open up a, a big gap. And so I went to shut that down and ride with them and lifting my pace a half mile per hour. I realized, you know, I can do that. But I can also tell that this is, this is not a good idea. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I get over the top and there's this bummer descent down to the final rest stop, the third rest stop that's uh, before the single track that we do. And, you know, this is like an hour after, after the previous uh, rest stop. And I get there and I realize I'm nauseated. Mm. And so, of course, that means either I didn't eat right or I mm-hmm. didn't drink right or a little bit of both. I could tell as I rolled into the trails at Lake Sonoma and the, this is the same trail system that we'd just ridden a couple weeks before on mountain bikes. OK, mm-hmm. total sawtooth mm-hmm. profile. You're either up or down. There's the longest section of flat. There is maybe 100 meters. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, and so I get onto it and it's like, I can tell my legs, legs are done. I'd been riding well previously and, you know, really trying to shave time off and had good power on all the big climbs was, was really pleased. And basically I'd used myself up with 10 miles to go. Actually, it's a little more than 10 miles, like 14 mm-hmm. miles to go. Ugh. And so I figured, okay, legs are done. I'll just suffer through best as I can. but my lowest gear on my bike was a 34, 34, a one by one gear ratio. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we've got double digit grades there, 18, 22, 24%. (laughs) (laughs) So what that meant was if it was flat or flat ish, Patrick could pedal. If it was going down, Patrick could coast. If it was going up, Patrick had to walk. Mm, That's always bad. That's just such and a so I walked a lot. It took me more than three hours to cover oh ten miles. <laughs> I wanted to oh lay down on the trail. God. And the thing was, like, I couldn't. Were you just still nause- nauseated, or were you just spent? Oh yeah, at that point, I was okay. <laughs> Here's a data point for you. So, like, I would think about what was in my hydration pack and what was in my pockets. Uh-huh. Yeah. What do I have that I can eat? And I think about, okay, I've got this flavor of goo still. No, I'll toss my cookies. I've got this flavor of goo. No, I'll totally toss my cookies. I, I can't even think about that flavor. No, no, no. I'm about to toss my cookies. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got these chews. Oh, that, that won't work either. So every time I think about food, it just gets worse. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, meanwhile, I'm going, I got to hydrate. I got to hydrate. Mm-hmm. I got to hydrate. And so I've got, in addition to my two bottles, one of which by now is empty, the other's about halfway done. I've got a hydration pack because you're, because I'm not riding at pro tour speed, the amount of time that passes between different sections for me is enormous and two bottles aren't going to get it. Plus with all the terrain we've got reaching down for a bottle at certain times, is just suicidal. Yeah. So I'm sucking on my hydration pack. Sunday after the event was over, I went to 
uh, it was something I, I, some drink I had with a straw. The roof of my mouth was sore. I'd been sucking on the hydration pack tube so hard that I made the roof of my mouth sore. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so like, I'm trying to struggle my way out of this trail system, you know, when all I want to do is just lay down on the trail. Yeah. And, and I know I'm not likely to get run over cause there can't be many people left behind <laughs> me. And at the very end of the trail system, there's a cooler and the top is propped open and there are like crunched up cans in front of it. And I look over and there's, there are a couple cold drinks. There's a cold Coke in there. And uh-huh. I was like, Coca-Cola. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I can do a Coca-Cola. No matter what, you can always do that. Any cookies. <laughs> yes. yes. So I like suck down the Coke, you know, climb back on my bike. You got to ride 200 vertical feet to get over this, this hump, get on the other side of the ridge and make the descent down to the finish. I get over that, you know, go cruising in <laughs> people. I, I was fifth from last. Okay. Out of, I think it was 84 people who did mm-hmm. the dirt version of Skaggs. I was fifth from last. And yet I got cheered as I came in. Oh, of course you did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, there's a lot of applause for soldiering through that kind of a day. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the people doing the, the post event food, they were packing up. <laughs> yeah. And that was okay with me because, like, I thought about like trying to eat a turkey burger, and it was like, no, yeah, no, that's not gonna. Honestly, my stomach was a mess for two full days after that. Yeah. Um. So I'm. I've got a question for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm less concerned. I have some questions for you too, but I'm gonna let you finish. Go ahead. (laughs) Uh. So I'm less concerned with what went wrong uh, than how to deal with this coming weekend, though. So mm-hmm. you made your suggestion to me that, you know, do one really long day before Dirty Kanza, mm-hmm. you know, like ride some before an event, then ride home after it. Mm-hmm. And looking at Skaggs, I thought, you know, two hours on the bike prior to that is just, no, that's not going to mm-hmm. be smart. I shouldn't do that. It's that's too hard an event. Right. Um. So I figured, well, this next weekend, we're three weeks out at that point, um, and I can just go out and do loops from home. I can go out and loop out here, and I can bring, you know, an ATM card with me, a debit card, and, you know, pick up stuff along the way. Mm -hmm. And you said what, what would be a good idea was to get to that, get to where the darkness is 150, 160 miles. Right. Um, certainly people talk about that. The funny thing is this past weekend, when I got to the darkness, I was about 86 miles in to 96 miles. It came very, very late, but it was as, it was as dark as I've ever experienced, or at least as far as I can recall. Mm -hmm. Um, now traditionally when I think about my, my training, I think less about miles than I do hours. Yep. I've now had a 10 hour day on the bike yep. and provided the weather isn't completely crappy at, uh, in Emporia, in and around mm-hmm. Emporia, mm-hmm. I'm thinking I'm going to have a 14 to 16 hour day. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, if everything mm-hmm. goes right, I'm really, so the span of daylight from sunrise to sunset is 14 hours and 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. I have to ride at, 
I have to average with my stops 13.64 miles per hour Mm -hmm. to be able to finish right at sunset. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think I should be able to manage about 15, 16 miles per hour. Um, certainly 15. Um, the question is like, if I go out and, and do a big ride just based on hours, you know, what should I be doing this weekend? Should I just get up and, and roll out at sunrise and then just kind of keep moving until the sun sets? I ha- I have, let's, let's pause because <laughs> I'm, I'm a little more concerned about trying to figure out what went wrong this weekend. Um, uh. Because of the, because and I'll tell you why, because I believe that, that just generally speaking, you have enough miles in your legs to soldier through a dirty Kansas. You would finish hell or high water one way or another. Um, yeah. You have you have the miles in your legs. But what does people in is the nutrition and the hydration piece. That's yep. and and so what what were you eating and drinking? Um, OK, so I was doing uh, gels and chews. Um, you know, I had a, a breakfast, uh, we'll say, uh, mostly wrapper food driving there. Um, mm-hmm. but on the bike, uh, I was doing gels and chews. I don't think I had anything outside of that. Oh, there were a couple little, you know, pastry-ish, cookie-ish type things I, I grabbed at a couple of the rest stops. Um, do you have any idea how many calories you were taking in and I would it would, I'm going to go with about 200 per hour and it might ha- even have been a little less than that, but I want to say 200 an hour. So the, the um, thing with the gels and the, and the shoes, think of it, think of it this way. Your stomach is sort of a gatekeeper and your intestine yep. is a, is a freeway. Um, if you let too many cars through the gateway onto the freeway you're going to have trouble no matter what and and gels go through your stomach very quickly yeah yep. there's there's it that that's where people get in trouble with I'm, and i'm not one of those people who's super anti-gel but you can get you can get in trouble pretty quickly with them and once you get in trouble it's really hard to pull back from that um it's almost better to um have some real food that that slowly digests in your stomach because it it it's it's less likely and you're not going to be going hard in Kansas, right? Like you or you shouldn't yeah. be. Um, oh no, 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 no. Yeah. So I I would when you do what whatever you're planning, and we'll get to that in two seconds, to do this weekend, you I would strenuously encourage you to practice eating and and yeah. hydrating. Because that yeah. is really, really, really important. The other thing that concerns me a little bit is that um, I think you want to practice. I mean, you're going to be on your road bike, right? Like yep. for whatever you do this. I, I, th- I think because if if I understand this year, they shook it up again in Kansas. So there's only one real uh, drop bag stop, right? Yeah. So you're going to need to carry a lot of stuff. Yeah. You re- you really need to practice that. You really yeah. need you just you need to go out because it's it's hard to for me to overstate how hard it is to pedal in those conditions carrying all your stuff. It's like all of a sudden you're like, 
woo, right? You you need to you you need to not have like it that needs to not feel super novel <laughs> when you get out there for the first time. So I Good would point. I would I would encourage you to do a a bit of a dress rehearsal. You know, <laughs> it, and just like put on your stuff and really just systematically think like okay, you know, this is the pace that I'm going to go. I'm going to, you know, eat whatever whatever you're going to eat. I would I would go lightly. I would be very careful with gels and chews. This mm-hmm. it's just so much sugar so fast. Um and see how that ser- serves you. I mean, I I I I'm less concerned about how long, you know. I mean, you definitely should have a very long day. I would go over 10 hours. But <laughs> um I, I would try to sort all that other stuff out because it'll 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 help you a whole lot more than just worrying about, you know, your exact like how long you're how long you're going to ride. Yeah, I you know, now that you mention it. So. Uh, Sunday and Monday, Monday was really the bad day. I. Let's just say I flushed a toilet a whole lot on Monday. Yeah, that's your just your 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 gut just being like, what what have you done? Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I was already thinking, you know, maybe what I should be doing is like, uh, you know, only a gel for each cliff bar or something, you know, bring bring a different sort of wrapper food, a, a more food food. I would encourage a more food food. I would. It's yeah. too it's too long of a day. It's too long of a day yeah. to be putting gels into your system like that. It's just it's it's too long. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that helps me process. Yeah. What I did wrong. Um, and it's one of those things that, yeah, I can accept that. Like there were some cat ones and pros who did the all road version and they were something close to five hours, five and a half hours, something like that. Mm. It was blazingly quick. And I just can't even imagine, but honestly, like if I'd done the road version, I think I would have been in, in, eight hours, you know, two hours mm-hmm, quicker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, my goal had been to do like eight to nine hours on the single track, but right. I need, I need a gear more like a, a 30, 40, you know, a three right. to four gear. Right. Uh, it, it's just one to one is not low enough for the likes of me. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, for Kansas, you'll food, be fine. Yeah. I got to do something different. Yeah. No, the food, the food, that, that just, and even, even people who, who it's just such an, it's, it's really, it's really what goes wrong for most people. And I'm not saying that they won't, it still won't go wrong because I, I've had, I've had it happen myself when I'm like, Oh, I thought I had it dialed and look at that. Um, but it's easier to last longer before maybe you get some upset and to bring it back once you feel it coming on. But like, if you get into a really bad hole, it's, mm, it's, you don't want to be all of a sudden you could be you, you, <laughs> it, it, all of a sudden you're looking at 21 hours. I mean, seriously, like it can, it can mm-hmm. add out. I mean, you saw what just happened. Like you, yeah. you could. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I'm grateful for. So one of the reasons I decided to bring hydration packs, uh, cause I swapped at the first rest stop. I had mm-hmm. one with me at the start and then I swapped for a different one at the first rest stop 50 miles in. One of the reasons I did that is that this course is so technical that there are long stretches where, I mean, maybe other people can eat and drink, you know, while trying to, you know, 
ride down the side of a mountain, but these, the descents are so technical and I'm working so hard on the climbs that there are long, long stretches where I just can't eat or drink. Yeah. And I understand that. I could at least, you know, with a hydration pack, I could at least take a little sip here or there while on a climb. You know, it wasn't, is it just it water that in your hard pack? to get. No, I did okay. do uh, Osmo in both. Uh, I did scratch in my bottles and Osmo in both my bladders. Yeah. So I was trying to keep the, you know, the, the, the electrolyte thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it in, sounds in like cause sodium can be a problem, but it sounds like if you had those, you had enough sodium. So it wouldn't have been that, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, I think that, I think closer to real food is your friend. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And, uh, yeah, maybe I'm going to plan on just making kind of one stop halfway through the ride and bring one of my bigger hydration packs with me. Yeah. Well, there's there's a water stop and then there's the the bag stop, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. <laughs> I I haven't even figured out my strategy on that yet. I I <laughs> I understand. That is that is a it's a very hard thing like Try not to overthink it, but then you, you also don't want to not think it at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing I will say, you know, if when looking back at, you know, the things that I did right, the things that I did wrong, there were an awful lot of things that I got right. Uh, my, tr- my tire choice. I got a, I mentioned these a few weeks back, the Donnelly Sports USH tire. It's mm-hmm. the one with a, a pretty good center slick and then these kind of deep cut chevrons on either side. That tire has better traction off-road than it has a right to, and it rolls so nicely. I, you know, it's not the tire for Dirty Kanza, but for mixed surface events where you're going from road mm-hmm. to dirt and back mm-hmm. to road, I, I am more and more inclined to say that it's the finest tire on the planet for that. Wow. Okay. It was just unbelievably good. I am so happy with that tire. So, you know, that's one of the things that I got right. Tires looking at looking at my hydration. You know, I actually did a pretty good job. One of my hydration packs was one and three quarters of a liter and the other was two and a half liters. And I went through two 12 ounce drinks and two 24 ounce bottles over the course of the day. Not bad. My math is not I don't (laughs) not mathy enough to figure out what that turns out to be, but. It's a lot of bottles. You yeah. know, it's it's approaching like 10 bottles at that point. You know, maybe 9. But it's a it's a pretty fair amount of fluid. You know, it's mm-hmm. for somebody who's made a mistake on hydration, that's, you know, that's not what a big right. mistake looks like. Right. But right. and you know, I lost count of the number of gels I had, which I think you know is is sort of indicative of of the mistake. Yeah, you know, it's not so much that I I lost count of the gels. It's just there were so many <laughs> that, that without is the, anything yeah. else to moderate that. That's that's yeah. I'm I'm going to confidently tell you that's what went wrong. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, at least all my right. stomach's better now. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. What do you say we move on to paceline picks? Sounds good. Um, I this is just a another quantified pick because i haven't actually put my hands on this thing yet but i want to and maybe you have um have you had any experience with the element rome yet the new wahoo G- gps yeah computer? 
Uh, I have seen it. I have not gotten to play with it, but I have seen it. Yeah. So I, I am a, I'm folks. a giant. I'm a, well, no, I mean, I'm a giant Wahoo uh, GPS fan like that, that I, I would, easy to do. They're just so, and that's my thing. Like nothing against Garmin's Garmin's are amazing. They have incredible capability. You know, they were first in the game, but they are not intuitive devices. And they, nope. I found myself constantly like, okay, is it bike one? What screen? Where am I blank? You know, just pushing. And, um, the Wahoo's just for a person like myself, it's super easy. Plug and play. Right. Um, mm-hmm. the, with this one, the Rome, it, they've added uh, a couple of nice features. So you, you don't need your phone with the companion app to do like routing and that kind of thing. And I like that. I like like, cause I don't like having to have your phone to do everything. So mm-hmm. the, the, your, your, the unit can work on its own standalone, which is nice. Um, it's got a little bit of color in the screen, which, frankly, I don't care about. Uh, the battery is about the same. But, you know, Matt Phillips at Bicycling is the one that put it to the test uh, to write it up. I'm, I should be getting one shortly to, to test as well. And he, you know, he found that the, the, the routing and, and the rerouting functions and all that stuff, the turn by turn, all the stuff that you use, you know, when you do a big event like this, was super good. Yep. Like, it worked really well. So... I'm just, I'm yeah. very intrigued. I mean, it's, it is more expensive. It's, it's pushing those Garmin prices now at 380, right? Like it's definitely yep. coming in, you know, m- more than the, the lesser pricey bolt and, you know, the other element, like the stuff that you're used to. But if it has the same functionality, I mean, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, I wasn't sure if you had tried it, but I, that is the something I've got my eye on for sure to, ch- to check out. Uh, a unit for me to check out is, you know, on the way sometime this month. Yeah, the thing yeah, I will too. say, having seen it, um, and I guess yeah, I, I did put my hands on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I got to step into a shipping container at, at Sea Otter and check it out. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, so, it was so top secret at that point that, you know, it's like, come into my office. Right, right. Uh, it's like, oh, I think I see these in, in San Pedro. Um, <laughs> uh, the way they've used color. So a lot of companies will will do color and, you know, they've made something blue that could just as easily have been black and didn't make mm-hmm. a big difference. You know, it's color to use color. What, right. What Wahoo did here is they use color to better communicate with you. So oh. when there's a when there's a big road as opposed to some little side road. Yeah. They'll put it in blue or yellow and then like bodies of water. They make those blue, you know, so you're clear. OK, I am not going to be able to just ride across that. Oh, that's so interesting. their, their use of color is as an element to better communicate what the landscape is to you. So that if you see a big road and you're thinking, I just want to stay on the little stuff. I don't want to deal with, with traffic and whatnot. It helps convey that to you so that you better understand your circumstance. That's why the color on this is actually something that does matter and people will be glad for it. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's so smart. like you, I can't wait to give it a try. Cool. What do yeah. you have for us? Well, now that we are to a point in the season where most of us don't have to wear thermal bibs anymore, hmm. <laughs> I want to give a nod to one of my new faves. I've been wearing the Keep bibs uh, from the new S9 generation of Asos bibs. 
The Keep is in the upper end of Oslo's lineup now. It used to be the number two out of out of four different bibs. Now it's kind of higher up in the hierarchy. It at two forty nine, the price isn't extreme. The way some of their bibs have been, you know, they at one point they had a pair of bibs that was north of four hundred dollars, yep. uh, and people thought they'd lost their minds, and maybe they had. But this is, you know, at two forty nine, they're an awful lot of two hundred plus dollar bibs, and if I'm going to plunk down two hundred two hundred to two hundred and fifty dollars for a pair of bibs, I'm going to look hard, hard, hard at these. They are the real deal. So the bib straps are anchored not just at the top of the short, but also kind of down on the glutes, down into the short on the outside hmm. so that the straps are better supported and the stretch of the fabric is better distributed throughout the short. So it's not, you know, you're not putting all the stress right there at the waist. Right. Um, and so that's a, you know, it's one of those things that I thought, oh, well, that looks kind of cool. But once you put them on and start to pull them up and, you know, get them situated, it really makes sense. It's like, wow, these really do feel better. You do feel more of the stretch distributed throughout the short as opposed to so much of it up around your waist. Uh, the key really to make what makes Asos bibs so special, though, is the pad made by SciTech, the company known for elastic interface pads. They custom make pads just for Asos. They also used an unusual construction on the bibs themselves to reduce their stretch, which in turn increases support that the bibs offer. And then mm. last, the material that Asos uses is, while they've used a weave on a couple of bibs in the past, this is a knit like most of what they do, but this has got to be, if not the finest, one of the finest knits I've ever encountered on a pair of bibs. They're sheer and it feels it's lightweight, but still feels really substantial and stout, like a high thread count. Uh, you know, there's nothing about this pair of bibs that just seems cheap at every turn. They've done a great job. There are fewer seams than you find with most other bibs so that there's, you know, less overlapped material to hold water. Hmm. It's just top to bottom. These things are amazing. Uh, oh, and that reminds me, I need to go do laundry because I wore them yesterday. <laughs> Sad. Yeah. Uh, they're, awesome. they're they are awesome uh yeah so uh also back at it you know i'd put them up against anything out there cool cool all righty well that pretty well wraps up this episode of the pace line uh celine i noticed you've got a really cool feature in bicycling about great roads tell us a bit about that and uh i'd love to hear how that feature came about yeah, you know, it was one of those, you know, a lot of features like that just come about when you're just sitting and having coffee with editors and stuff. I mean, and that that is honestly how that thing came about. It's, uh, you know, I, was, I think I might have even been talking about one of the roads in the feature, Hogsback Highway in Utah, which uh-huh. I rode when I did the um, ride to Interbike with Specialized one year when it went from Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and. This road blew my mind. It's like almost 12 miles and it's a spine. I mean, literally a spine of tarmac on top of this ridge, which is the hog's back. And Uh there's no there's no guardrails. And it's you're just like on either side is sandstone cliffs and canyons. Just it's 
sheer drops to either side. It's it's not for the faint of heart by any stretch. Um, I, ironically, on those kind of roads, I feel safer on a bicycle than I would in a car. I think in a car, I would have yeah. been freaking out. Um, yeah. It's super popular with motorcyclists, but people come from all over the world. I had no idea when we were on it, uh, but later on, I, I read about it and people come from all over the world to ride it. And I was like, that's really cool. And, you know, people are like, oh, well, we should do a roundup of cool roads. I'm like, well, of course we should. And I'm like, yes, let's do that. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's a bit crowdsourced. I mean, some of them I had ridden myself and did some research on and found that they were super popular roads and, you know, got some suggestions from other people and, you know, just made sure that they were truly roads that would be good to bicycle on, you know, not mm-hmm. necessarily just motorcycle and our car touring. Uh, but, yep. man, it just... Whenever I do a story like that, I'm just I get such wonderlust and I'm reminded of how beautiful our country is, just like how big and beautiful and diverse our country is. You know, there's these roads in South Dakota, like the Peter Norbeck Scenic Byway or something like 70 miles through rock wall tunnels and, you know, through the Black Hills. And it's just like Crater Lake Rim in Oregon. And it's just like, wow, we're just there's just so many, so many, so many amazing things to see in this country it's i don't know that you can do it in a lifetime right it's just yeah yeah well that was one of the things about the feature that i so loved was that it wasn't just two coasts with one or two additional roads thrown in to make it look like you were being fair there's stuff all over and there are great roads i know of that weren't in there you know where i'm going oh but you should you know, it's like, oh, it should be 50 That's the roads, fun of not- those features. A million people. Yeah. How could you not include? It's like, because it's only <laughs> right. 30. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And this country yeah. is very large. But yeah. yeah. But it's it's cool that, you know, yeah, you, I mean, I've seen features like that. I, you know, I've been a cyclist 30 some years. I've seen features like that in a variety of magazines for 20 plus years. And you named a couple roads I'd never heard of before. Yeah. Neat trick. Yeah, I, that, I'm psyched. To, that happens when you actually um, talk to people sometimes, I think. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like it does. People. Imagine that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, while we're at it, I want to give a shout out to Leah Flickinger, who has just re- rejoined Bicycling's parent company, Hearst, as, if I understand correctly, director of content creation yep. for Bicycling, Runner's World, and Popular Mechanics. That's uh, I'm pretty crazy about her and i'm just so happy to see her working in some capacity with bicycling again yeah we're all psyched to have her back she's i can imagine brilliant she's so good at her job so good yeah 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 uh so are you pinning a number on for anything this weekend i i am not this this uh this weekend's pretty much uh just a break at home you know riding Uh with friends and stuff and i don't think i Mm, I might go to bat and kill. That's that's a question mark. Bicycling sponsors it. So I'm considering it. But then the next race is not until the weekend after, which is a big mountain bike race that I really should get ready for. I haven't mountain bike raced in a while. I feel kind of rusty. But yeah. (laughs) Very cool. Uh, Well, hey, everybody, keep those questions coming. You all have been sending some great stuff. Uh, If you got an idea, please drop by RKP and put a suggestion in the comments or feel free to email us. Before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for RKP's other podcast, The Poll. The show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. Think Terry Gross for cyclists. This week's show is the second part of my two-part interview with Tom Kellogg of Spectrum Cycles. 
We talk about his impending retirement, bike geometry. We really get into the weeds on, on track geometry, and it's way more interesting and thoughtful than you would think because there are some other real-world applications for what he talks about. I'm just I'm so in love with that interview. Um, cool. Yeah, he's a great Moving guy. right along. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed the show. And if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.